Good evening, Going Deeper. We are Linda and David Kozad, and we would like to thank Pastor Carmen for the opportunity to share. And we'd like to thank you for being here and listening to our story. Reverend Shane often says, everyone has a story. We'd like to share a part of our story with you. We have been active Christian couples since we've been married. Church has always been a priority. Through the years, we have served in churches in many various ways. Between the two of us, I think we have been on every committee known to the Methodist Church, eaten at dozens, if not hundreds, of potlucks. It was about eight years ago that God led us to Christ Church. The first Sunday we attended, an announcement of the new wonderfully made adult ministry was forming was made. This spoke directly to us. This is something that we were looking for. We were married in the Methodist Church in Sparta, Illinois, by the one and only Reverend Ralph Philippi. We have three children, our oldest Ryan and his wife Lauren, and our two grandsons live in O'Fallon. Our middle child, Caitlin, who's leaving to her class right now, she lives at home with us. And our youngest son, Tyler, and his wife, Alyssa, live in Dallas. And any day now, we're expecting the birth of our granddaughter. So we're looking forward to that. We are proud of both our sons, that they married Christian women, and that they are all active in their churches. I think it would be, I'm going to raise this up just a little bit. I think it would be safe to say that they're not only part of their church, but they're considered leaders in their church. Early on, I remember a pre-marriage counseling with Reverend Ralph, and he made a comment to Linda and I that said, as a couple, the best thing we can do is put and keep God first. We have tried to live up to that piece of advice. Our daughter, Caitlin, she lives with us. Her pregnancy was anything but normal. There were some complications that resulted in a pre-delivery hospital stay, an emergency C-section during the 37th week of pregnancy, and at the time of her delivery, we had no idea the blessing that she would be to our family. We recently read in Matthew 19, chapter 14, that Jesus said, Let little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Jesus is letting us know that children even in their weakness and vulnerability, have much to teach us as adults. This has been so true in the life of Caitlin. She was a few months old when we started having concerns with developmental milestones. It was around the age of five that we realized Caitlin was not going to catch up. Through, through the years and several testing, she did not have an actual diagnosis. She got lumped into the broad category of nonverbal developmentally delayed. I really did not know what to do and, or think about that. I so wanted her to be like the other kids. As a dad, we fix things. I was not able to fix Caitlin. I have a different relationship with each of our children. The boys, they were easy to raise. They did the typical boy things. And whatever they did, their sister was their biggest cheerleader. As their dad, there were certain things that I wanted to teach them you know, dad things. I was very active in their lives. My dad was very active in my life. 
and I wanted to make sure that it was the same for my kids. I love that our son Ryan is vested in his son's lives. I have no reason to believe Tyler will not do the same with his daughter. On to raising Caitlin. This was a little different. I had to get more creative. She needed interactions with me, and I needed to figure out a way to do that. My bond and love for her is strong. For years now, we have had special dad dates. Not grand and glorious things, just dad and Caitlin things. We take trips to the store. We go on country drives looking at farms, looking for the animals. We walk around the park looking at the ducks. We look at fish tanks at PetSmart for hours if I would let her. We go to Rural King in the spring to look at the chicks and the ducks. We also, um, Birds Unlimited, when we go in there, everybody knows her. They talk to her. It's very touching that some of these uh, people that work in stores actually remember us and, and interact with her. So Caitlin has taught me that some of these simple things can bring great joy. In 2011, we took a family vacation to Estes Park, Colorado. Linda, Caitlin, Tyler, and I packed the van for a week in the Rocky Mountains. The week had gone great, and everyone felt we had experienced great adventures. On the last day of the trip, before the drive home, we wanted to do one more hike. We are always cautious when planning hikes because Caitlin has a depth perception problem. We make sure that she'll be able to handle the trails. This day, we chose a little bit more challenging of a trail. The hike began so far so good. The trail was marked at 1.7 miles to what is called the pool. That is a body of water that oftentimes the moose hang out. We did, once we got up there, it was about a two hour trip, we did see a moose in the water. She, she loved it, Tyler. It, it, was, it was kind of a sight to see. And even though the train was hard and we were taking our time, she was doing great. So while at the pool, we had lunch and we were feeling good. Since it was our last day of vacation and things were going well, we thought we'd go a little further. So we decided to take what was marked as Cub Lake Trail, take that back. Because as we remembered, it kind of looped back down towards the bottom of the mountain. And it was marked at 1.2 miles. We thought, how different could it be? So we thought, so off we go. Very quickly, this trail got more difficult. The trail rocks got bigger. There were streams that we had to cross. We later learned that this trail rose up to 1,100 feet. I was getting a little concerned once I started realizing we saw no other hikers. We had no cell phone service. We had no map. We were relying only on trail signs. And especially, we had no idea how much further to the shuttle stop. We finally reached the end of this trail and felt some relief until we read the next trail sign. The main road was labeled and it was three miles down the mountain. We had gone farther away. So we had no choice but to follow the sign and head down the mountain. Off we went. Then it happened. Caitlin had had enough. She stopped, crossed her arms, and stood firm, refusing to move. This was her way of telling us, I'm done, no more, not one more step. I must say, I was very concerned about how we were going to get back down that mountain. 
Caitlin then reached out to me. She put her arms up, and I knew what she wanted. She wanted to get on my back. So I knew that I was going to have to do a lot of carrying of Caitlin down that mountain. Here's a, a quick picture, if they can get that up there, of, of Caitlin. And I was smiling. I don't know if this was the beginning of her on my back or towards the end. But we, obviously, you, take that down. I, I'll get too emotional if I look back there at that. Obviously, we did make it. We ended up walking approximately six miles and right under six hours. So when Caitlin was at her breaking point that day, she reached out to me, her father. She knew I was there, and she leaned on me to take care of her. She never doubted that I would make things right. During the time she was on my back, I reached out to my father in an almost constant prayer to God. I prayed for strength to press on. My fear is it was going to get dark before we made it back to the road. I needed him to make things right. I provided for Caitlin, and my father provided for me. I honestly don't know how I carried her back to the comfort of the main road. As that day started out, we admired God's beauty. It ended with God, God's hand providing me the strength I needed. A side note to this hike, 10 years later in 2021, Linda and I spent a week in Estes Park. We repeated that very hike. I have no idea how I carried Caitlin from the top of that mountain down. It truly was God-inspired. I used to think that God had given me Caitlin because he knew Caitlin needed me. I learned that I had it backwards. God gave me Caitlin because he knew I needed her. She has taught me far more about life than I can teach her. I have learned the life lessons about patience, acceptance, grace, and unconditional love. What I once thought could be a huge burden of raising a daughter with special needs was really disguised as one of the greatest blessings I have ever received. Caitlin is not special because of her extra needs and limitations. She is special because she has helped me grow closer to God. In this world, she is considered a person with special needs. But in God's world, she is nothing but perfect. I challenge you to think about people in your life that you may think have special needs that may seem like a burden, but are they actually a blessing from God? When I was a young girl, my grandmother gave me a book by Dale Evans to read. It was called Angel Unaware, A Touching Story of Love and Loss. It was a memoir about her daughter, Robin, with Down syndrome. Dale shared that she and her husband, Roy Rogers, had been specially chosen for this opportunity to raise Robin. Now, the book actually became one of the very first ever published about parents whose child had special needs. Well, as a young girl, I was incredibly moved by her story and her faith that God had such a powerful reason to give this daughter to them and would bless them in amazing ways. Well, David shared a little bit about the beginning of our journey with Caitlin. When Kate's delays were first identified, 
I focused on doing all that I could to help her catch up and one day follow a typical progression of growth just like her older brother. I knew this was the type of mom that I was created to be and I knew what the outcome would be because I sure knew that I was not Dale Evans nor was David Roy Rogers. But when Caitlin was five, she had not caught up with her age group, and I needed to completely change my mindset as we were making decisions about what school would look like for her. I just knew that we had so much ahead of us that I was ill-equipped for. I was struggling how to move forward. I was just completely overwhelmed by this whole complicated world of having a child with a disability. I mean, how are we going to equip her to survive, let alone find success? Well, I must say it was in this particular time that Christ spoke to me in an, in an incredible way. I saw Caitlin with radiance all around her being embraced. And I was told, Caitlin is my child. I've got her. I will never be able to articulate the peace that that gave me that still is a cornerstone of who I am today because I know he's got her. Well, I knew after this that I simply needed to move forward as Caitlin's mom with the same goals that I had for my two sons to help them learn to love God and to become one of his disciples, to help them become the best that they could be with the gifts that they've been given, and then to find their purpose in life. Now, Jesus has manifested some of his care for Caitlin through a lot of chosen people. There were speech therapists for many, a speech therapist for many years who also had a son with Down syndrome. In addition to the therapy she provided Caitlin, she was a valuable resource to us on how to navigate special education within the school. She also shared that being a parent will be difficult and that our feelings would often be hurt, but always take time to ask if Caitlin's feelings were hurt. This has helped me to see how God has always protected Kate's heart. There was the parent who pointed us on the path to establish financial and legal protection for Caitlin, ensuring that she would continue to be cared for while minimizing some of the burdens her brothers may one day face. This showed me how God always have Caitlin's direct needs in his control. There was the special education teacher who confidently championed for Caitlin to be educated for the very first time in our local school system. This is how God taught me Caitlin will always have unexpected champions. And of course, there are the wonderfully made teachers and staff right here at Christ Church that have helped advance Caitlin's spiritual growth. And this is how God shows me he has provided a whole village to respect Caitlin for who she is and to help her to become who she was created to be. Now, I continue to see that God has equipped Caitlin for survival in this world, but also equipped her to be an important disciple. Caitlin experiences joy for worship 
every time she enters the church, showing Reverend Shane her pink Bible, skipping down the aisle to her seat in church, clapping when she sees communion elements on the altar, and of course, waving to Dawn before the service starts every time. She every time talks days in advance about going to Sunday school and then Wednesday night Bible study, always reviewing that she will learn more about Jesus, she will pray, and she will enjoy wonderful worship music. She's always telling people about Christ Church, although often David and I are needed to help decipher the invitation to others. She loves everyone in her world and adds to her circle of influence regularly. Though sometimes she's anxious or reserved, she's never angry at another person. She's patient yet can be so persistent. But one of the things I like the best about Caitlin is she's like the lilies of the field and she has never worried about what she is wearing. And I am so blessed to follow her lead to strengthen my own discipleship. We all face hardships, and I face hurdles as Caitlin's mom. And when Dave and I have focused on her areas of disability, we are always quickly reminded of the incredibly deep struggles that other parents face caring for their child and their special needs and offer God thanks for our journey. But I'll be honest with you, sometimes during the low moments of my life, that's just not enough. I mean, I'm not day 11s. A few years ago, I was at a particular low spot. I was tired, and quite frankly, I was just bored with the routine care that Caitlin needed. It was a time when several of my friends were sending their youngest child off to college, and they were so looking forward to their new adventures as empty nesters. And you know what? That wasn't going to be my path. And I let Caitlin's needs become a burden. Well, I also, though, happened to be studying um, the book of John at the last days of Christ at the same time. And this scripture in my moment of need helped to completely change my attitude. This is the time right before the Last Supper in parts of John 13 where it says, Jesus had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, and he had come from the Father, and he was going to return to the Father. So he got up from the table, he took off his robe, he wrapped a towel around his waist, and he poured water into a basin. And then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with a towel he had wrapped around him. Then after he washed them, he asked them, do you understand what I was doing? Since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I mean, folks, Jesus had authority over everything. His capabilities are so much greater than washing feet, but he did the job that needed to be done. John doesn't tell us that Jesus had a secret passion for feet washing, 
But he does tell us that he loved his disciples and that this was the example for all of Jesus' disciples to follow. I finally allowed Jesus to teach me that when I humble myself in servanthood for my child that I love, I am emulating what he wants me to do, even when it seems below my pay grade. And since that time, Jesus continues to use this instruction to help me to overcome my selfishness and remind me that I am really working for the master when I'm meeting Caitlin's needs. You know, God didn't just create us for Caitlin, but he really created Caitlin to be just what David and I need to see Christ more clearly. Caitlin has helped us develop a servant's heart to focus on Jesus alone instead of on multitasking, to come to God every time with joy and expectation, and to love what God created each of us to be. Now, this is just a chapter in our story, and Caitlin is our example of an exceptional creation of God that helps us understand our charge from Christ. But I guess really our testimony is that God gives us all special people in our lives to provide the opportunity to perfect what he made us to be, to put the teaching that he shares in Scripture into practice, to love God first and then to love others as we love ourselves. So if you don't know already, ask God to show you who your special people are. Hello, good evening. We get, we get up here and move everything around and get ourselves comfortable for a second. My name is Wendy Arneson, and this is my husband, Eric. Uh, we are, well, uh, oh, here, yeah, here we go. Eric is the multi-area director of FCA. I am a licensed counselor. We have been attending church here since 2008, and we just celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary, so. Oh, yeah, there's a picture of us at the wedding. There's a lot of pictures gear up. That's this guy. This guy has a lot. So She still smiles like that, by the yeah. way, at me. All teeth, lots of teeth. So, um, yeah, so that's us at our wedding. I, the next slide, I think, is a picture of our family all together. So this is our three boys, Jonathan, Samuel, David. They were raised here at Christ Church. When we moved here, David was in kindergarten, and the other two are younger. And we laugh because in our house, we have a lot of uh, Shane-isms that say, I mean, we've been here a long time. And so over the years, you hear a lot of Shane stories or Shane words. I'm sure you can come up with a lot of your own. At one point, um, David, our oldest, uh, joked, he's like, we should make a bingo card and have it filled in with different Shane sayings, like bam, or six kinds of smoke, or, you know, connecting people with Christ. And I'm like, that's the, the, the bookstore should make one of those. That's really kind of a fun idea. So those are our boys right now. Well, forever. We're not having any more. And um, this is our extended family. We're going to be talking about our extended family a lot today. This per particular picture was taken place at David's baptism, so the family came out to see. The next slide is, well, David being baptized, and the slide after that is Jonathan's baptism, 
We didn't get a picture because he was one of the ones that said, I'm getting baptized today. It's not planned, but here I go. And he was five years old, and we were like, no, no, don't. Grandma and Grandpa are going to want to come and see this. And he's like, no, I am going now. And so he went then, and, and it, that, was, that was a pretty cool thing. So and our last, the next slide before I hand it over to Eric is our son, Sam. He's in shadow there, but it's, it's right here. And he loves this church. He's in class with Caitlin. And so they are buddies together at Wonderfully Made. And Sam gets here, immediately kicks off his shoes and gets comfortable and just cruises around the church and loves every second of it. So um, I mentioned earlier the power that Shane's preaching and all the service and um, everyone here who's taken such good care of Eric and I, as well as our boys as they've grown up. Um, but also, uh, we are blessed to have wonderful families who are Christian families. They've raised Eric and I in the church, and, um, and our boys have been blessed to have wonderful men in their lives as uh, examples as they've grown up. So, why don't you go next, baby? Amen. The next slide is a verse. Oh, by the way, we're also part of the House of Rock, which is our Connect Group class. Yes, give applause for the House of Rock. There we go. This was our Christmas party this year. Um, as I lead into our talk, uh, the verse you'll see next is Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 4. There's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down, a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. And we have been in this season. And as you can see from the next slide, in March 9th, I'm sorry, May 28th, 2022, uh, we saw a series of three really important people in our lives. My brother, my father, and my brother-in-law, Wendy's brother, all pass within a two-year period. And what we wanted to do today is just share a little bit about them. And, and all of them knew Jesus, and all of them shaped us and helped us in our lives. It's so the first person is I want to talk about this guy, my dad, Mark Arneson. And when I think of my dad, Proverbs 20, verse 7 says, A righteous man who walks in his integrity, how blessed are his sons after him. I was blessed because of this man. He, was a, he loved Jesus. He loved his family. He loved his friends. He was an amazing example to all of us. And he introduced me to Jesus Christ and also the ministry I work for, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. But some of you, a lot of you know that he also was a professional football player. He played nine years in the NFL for the St. Louis Cardinals from 1972 to 1980. Cardiac Cardinal fans, raise your hand, Cardiac Cardinals. I love it. Football gave him that platform for his faith to share about Jesus Christ. And I know so many people, even to this day, that come up that said, my dad shared his testimony and that impacted them. And it was a catalyst for them receiving Jesus. My son, Jonathan, made a video. And I want you guys to watch this about my dad's faith. So here's a video. It might be hard to continue. Yeah, I had, my dad had an amazing legacy. Uh, the next, I want to tell you a little bit about his passing and share that about Seven years ago, so he had this amazing life, this amazing ministry, uh, successful in business, great father. But about seven years ago, we started to notice a change in my dad. His memory started to slip. 
And it was just at that time, and you guys might remember the movie Concussion, they started to communicate and share about this CTE. And CTE is chronic traumatic encephalopathy. It's a degenerative brain disease found in athletes, military veterans, and others with a history of repetitive brain trauma. Now, the only way to diagnose this is post-mortem through autopsy, but we were concerned because dad had 12 different diagnosed concussions and probably several more. So because of this brain disease, we noticed this change. We saw behavior and personality changes, mood changes, memory loss, confusion, anger, physical aggression, hallucination, long periods of quietness, and he really lost all abilities to function, driving, paying bills, etc. And this was a big transition for me. My hero, my discipler, my friend, my best friend, my hunting buddy, all changed. And I now had to take over that role, that responsibility of the patriarch. And it was really hard, but who prepared me to do that but this guy? So wait one winter, wait one night late last winter, I would say, dad had a major incident where he acted violently on my mom. My mom didn't suffer any major injuries, fortunately, but it was time for dad that he needed extra care. So he had to leave his home and go, and he moved into a memory care facility. The next month and a half were really challenging. The dilemma is you have a 250-pound ex-NFL linebacker who's still stronger than most people. How do you handle that? And he bounced because of his violence and some of his aggression. He bounced around several facilities. It was really difficult. But the encouraging part through this whole decline is dad's faith didn't change. I I really felt the Holy Spirit was with him. The spirit is willing. The body is weak. Dad's spirit, the Holy Spirit was with him. And I saw this. uh, What I would try to do is I'd try to take him hunting. And I'd try to take him on different things where I would go and see his friends. And he would be confused. He wouldn't talk as coherent. But then I'd say, and he loved to pray as you saw. I said, hey, Dad, would you like to pray? And here, all of a sudden, this eloquent, amazing prayer that showed love and devotion and love of God and his care for others would come out. It was like a miracle. And I remember his final words to me. He was at his last medical facility. I could tell something was going wrong. He was probably dying. I was sitting looking at this great man, thinking about him, and all of a sudden he came out of his unconsciousness. And he saw me and he goes, hey, Eric, I'm in a hospital in the St. Louis area. And I said, yes, yes, you are, Dad. And I said, you know, you talk about the book of James, you know, anyone is sick, bring the elders, you should pray. Do you want to pray? And he said this, and this was his last words. He said, dear Jesus, we worship you. His voice faded. Those were his last words to me or anyone. So I believe, Dad, he was ready to see Jesus. And in that verse, he quoted it, we quote it, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And that's what happened. And so on April 14th, 2023, my father passed away, entered into that worship he prayed about and said. And he did. He did have CTE, and uh, it was diagnosed. They did an autopsy, Boston University. There's actually a story on uh, Sports Plus that Frank Cusimano did, if you're interested. But... That's uh, my dad, Mark Arneson. You know, I was so blessed to be his daughter-in-law. And from the very beginning, uh, I mean, I, our boys aren't married yet, but I'm, I'm excited to be a mother-in-law because I hope I treat my girls the way Mark treated me. When I'd walk in, he'd just light up and want to know how our class is or how's my work going. And, and just as 
as big of a personality as he is in the St. Louis area, he was more interested in others than talking about himself. Unless you could, he could talk to you about Jesus. That was always his favorite topic. And, um, you know, Shane does mention, like, if somebody needs prayer, to just go ahead and go and pray at that moment. You know what I'm talking about? Have you guys heard him say that? And just go ahead and pray right there and pray aloud. And whenever Shane does say that, I think about your dad. Because that doesn't matter if you're at a restaurant, if you're at a grocery store, anywhere. He'd be like, well, let's just pray. And you'd pray right there, right then. And it was just such an such a great example and a great witness. So, And I'm really grateful that your dad was alive, um, even though he was suffering with his cognitive impairment. But when your brother Justin passed, uh, it was 11 months before Mark passed away. Eric's brother um, died unexpectedly. And so do you want to yeah. go there now? Okay. So we have this great dad, this great influencer. and uh, But yet, unfortunately... And many of you might relate to this, that you may have a family member that's plagued by addiction. And this was my brother, Justin, who since high school was just plagued by gambling and drug addiction. And it's interesting, right? You know, we have siblings. I, my sister is a missionary. I'm in mission work, FCA, and ministry. And we were raised the same way, but sometimes the world just grabs you and just it, it kind of takes you away. And that's what happened with Justin. He chose Money, partying, drugs, and it really just led him down the wrong path. So in his early 20s, my brother Justin was, was sent to prison. And he spent several years there, finally got out, started to get better, started to make good changes. And then he had a family, and he uh, has wonderful kids, beautiful kids, and a wonderful wife, Joanna, and adopted his stepson, Noah. Just, just so grateful for the blessings that they were. And we were just, and you know, if any of you have dealt with that, you're praying, you're praying so hard and hopeful that they would change and stay uh, the way they were in the good times. But unfortunately, just those blessings couldn't keep them away from the allure of drugs. So what happened is after that 10 years, he just started this downward spiral. He went in and out of rehabs. He lost, he had money, he lost it. He had multiple arrests. Several overdoses and was Narcan by first responders several times. Um, divorce, he did end up divorcing and having to leave this wonderful family. Restraint orders and then jail. And, you know, as an older brother and where you're at and you're in your faith, you're like, what is my response? And, and I had kind of three things I always said. I said, I didn't want to be the older prodigal son. You know how there's two prodigals, the, the one that Jesus is talking about, but the older brother who was jealous of the help that was given to the one who needed it. I didn't want to be that. Two, I wasn't going to ruin our life, Wendy and I's life and our boys, to go out and do, you know, above and beyond what Justin could do to save his. And then third, but I did want to support him, of course. So I prayed, I prayed, we prayed so much. And I always wanted to say this. I would say as much as I can, I love you, get help. I love you, get help. I encouraged him. There's so many opportunities for help in the world of addiction. I wanted him to get that help. We prayed so long. But what also kind of permeated with me is that I knew he received Jesus. We were together. My dad sat us down in his office, shared John 3.16. And when I was 10, he was 8. In his office, we prayed the sinner's prayer together. Justin received Jesus. And he always proclaimed that and said that. And acknowledged Jesus. So that was always kind of my hope that there Jesus was with him. 
And um, we know that verse, Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way they go, and in the end they will not depart. Well, what's neat is the end, God was with Justin. So in 2022, my brother was put in jail. He was arrested for a felony. So you know you go to jail first, then you have your court case, then you're sentenced to prison. He was in jail. And it was actually a good thing because it was cool because he got off drugs, and I was able to talk to him regularly. In fact, if you look here, this is, it's, you probably don't know this, jail has a Zoom. It's called HomeWave. And I was able, it was real expensive, but it was worth it. And I could pay, and Justin could call me. And you could see, uh, well, this one doesn't have it, but David and I are up here talking to him, and we were able to communicate. And also I saw that Justin, my brother, got to share his faith with other inmates. So while we were on Zoom, this home wave, I was able to pray for him. And we were able to talk and fellowship about God. He asked me what I was doing in my faith. What was I reading? What was God doing in my life? And I was able to share that. And he, he, he always loved this Old Testament story of Joseph, I guess, being imprisoned and being there wrongly. But it was right that he was in prison, my he brother. He probably also liked the cool clothes that jo- yeah, Joseph had. Yeah, the amazing Technicolor Justin dressed really well. Yeah. He was addicted to everything. If he had one motorcycle, he had three. He just went overboard. But one time, and this next slide is this, he, he, I said, do you have a Bible? And he says, no, I don't have a Bible. So I got on Amazon and sent the prison, the jail, a Bible. He loved this Bible. You can see they put the date when he received it. He would hold it up. He would talk about it. He would read it. He would share it with other inmates, as I mentioned. It was such a blessing. But what happened next is really sad, um, but maybe for the best. He did re- get remo- or released from jail, and he was so happy. So he got his kids. They went to my parents' house. My parents have a pool. They, f- they had fun. They had a great day. That night, he put his kids to bed at my parents' house, decided to go back to that addiction. He took um, you know, major drugs. His body wasn't used to it. He died in his sleep. My brother uh, died on Memorial Weekend on 2022. And it was uh, so many emotions, so difficult. But the predominant sentiment and almost a, a joy and a relief, like a comfort, is that he's finally healed. Like Justin was healed of that addiction. And Reverend Shane said it. He, it was so cool. Shane called me. The minute I knew, I called Shane and the church. He called me back and prayed with me. And one thing he said, he said, he may have lost his way, but he didn't lose his faith. He went back to his faith in the end. And so I, I look at this last picture. This is my brother at an FCA camp. Here's him hearing the speaker, thinking about Jesus, the joy. This is what I want to remember. This is what I think Justin looks like, my brother, healed in the presence of Jesus. So that's him. Yeah, he's with Jesus now. When Eric and I were preparing this, we were kind of talking about the legacies that um, our families have passed on to us and to our kids. And, and in an interesting way, Justin had a profound influence on our older boys because they were, never wanted to party. They never wanted to, you know, drink or even, you know, like drugs. That wasn't even, that's so far removed from there because they, they got a front row seat of seeing all the fallout from the choices that Justin made. And um, 
Um, and, and Justin's kids are the same way. When we, we'll talk to them or hang out with them, and, and they'll say, you know, drugs killed dad. And we'll be like, yeah, yeah, they did. And they're like, we'll never do that. And I said, good. And, and thankfully, um, my wonderful sister-in-law is a strong believer. They are in church every week. They are in church school. They're very involved. And so we're very thankful for that. Um, and then another person who really has left a legacy in my life, um, our boy's life, is my brother Gabe. Um, Gabriel, he, he, I call him Gabe. It's, it's just going to have to be Gabe. We used to call him Gabe the Babe because, you know, that's just a fun name to say. And, and he was a, um, gosh, he was a really good man. Um, and, and unlike Justin, who I always looked at as being um, really drawn to the things of this world. You know, you mentioned the clothes and the motorcycles, the material stuff. My brother was um, kind of, he lacked a lot of the things of this world. You know, he, he lacked, um, how do you put this? Uh, you'd call him just a bad luck guy kind of in a way. Um, things just kind of always went wrong for him. Even from very little, he was born with a growth hormone deficiency, so he was very small for his age. He had a speech impediment. Um, there was no problem at all with his mental functioning, but just was always kind of delayed in certain things because of other problems that he had. Um, but regardless of this, he had a really grateful, humble, good life. Um, Gabe never did get married, uh, and he never had any children. And I know that that was a, a hard thing for him. He would have liked that. But he, um, um, you know, he put a lot of energy into our kids. And he was the best uncle. Um, if you want to go ahead and go to the next slide, that's him with our son, Sam, when Sam was little. But that could be the same thing today. The way Sam and, and Gabe had this bond, Gabe's actual goal in um, his retirement years was he wanted to get certified and take care of Sam. He's like, well, I'll just be Sam's guy. I'll take care of Sam while you guys do your things. And, and in a sense, he already was. They would have weekends together and eat pizzas and watch TV and, and just really enjoy each other. Um, the next slide is my older two boys with Gabe when they were little. And this, they were all in a wedding together, Justin's wedding. They were all in Justin's wedding. And, um, um, and that was another kind of a bit of a loss, I feel like. Gabe had a great group of friends, but they all got married and had kids and got busy. And so they would still do stuff together, but it's not the same, you know, as, this, as the schedule of a single person. These two boys have grown up, and they're away at college, and they would talk to Gabe, but it's not the same. They didn't have the weekends to, like, go see all the Marvel movies or to go watch WWE or Monster Jam or – I mean, he would do – he loved that stuff. And I think, actually, the next picture is us at Joe's Pizza – for Gabe's birthday, because he, he loved Joe's Pizza. John has worked at, my middle son, John, has worked at Joe's Pizza for a long time, and Gabe would drive over here. My parents live over in uh, the Kirkwood area, and he'd drive over just to have pizza with us. And so it's such a blessing to have all that time with him. Um, so let me see here. I kind of went off my script, so I need to find where I'm at. Um... Oh, okay. Another thing I wanted to just mention is what a good man he was to my parents. Um, my brother and my dad were best friends, and my father has dementia now, and um, that was diagnosed about two years ago, and my brother pretty much seamlessly just kind of moved in um, 
not into their house, but he was just there all the time helping out so that it wasn't just my mom and him, but Gabe could help watch my dad, guide my dad, keep my dad from driving when he shouldn't be driving. Um, so uh, the three of them just had this really great bond. Um, and another thing I wanted to bring up is because, oh, I know, that's where I'm at. Sorry about that. Um, uh, I mentioned being lonely. Um, so he got to meet a lot of people on Facebook. And he was on all these different groups. And actually, when I see some of our church postings, I'd see my brother put his little funny, witty comments in it. Um, so when he passed away, there's an online obituary. And this one lady wrote this. It was, it was just the neatest thing. Um, she said, like many others, I met Gabe on Facebook. Um, he was always invited to the coolest groups. We loved him so much. He was genuine, honest, accepting, hilarious, kind, and a really great friend to so many of us over the years. I am not a Christian, but that didn't stop Gabe from being a kind and gentle friend, and he never wavered from his faith. He lived his life showing us what a true follower of Christ is on this earth. I've never met this woman. She doesn't live in the state, but this is what she had to say about my brother. And so I messaged her and asked if I could share this. And she was like, yes, of course, he really was. She's like, I don't like Christians, but I liked your brother. And so, um, and that's what John, John 13, 35 says, that the world will know that you are a Christian by the way you love one another. And, and he did that really well. And in a way, I look at that as like the blessing of singleness. There's a, there's a loneliness to singleness, but there's also this blessing that he had time and he had a pickup truck. He'd move anything for you. He would be excited to do that stuff. And, and it was very service-oriented. So, so um, Jonathan, my middle son, turned uh, 21 on December 3rd. And so we were going to go to Joe's Pizza and have pizza. And um, my parents and Gabe were going to meet us. And Gabe called that day and was like, I've just, he had been sick for a while, just like, just really a bad cold. Um, he called and said he was going to, um, um, he was going to uh, miss because uh, he's going to go to urgent care. He just was feeling so bad. And so we were, mom and I were checking our phones like, okay, well, what's, what's the story? Is it pneumonia again? And um, a couple hours later, we got a call from the hospital saying, can you please come up here? He needs his family. And when we got there, um, they had already intubated him. Uh, his heart, um, it, it failed. And he couldn't get a heart transplant. And there was a clot too, which there was a lot of things. They, they put him on ECMO, and that's very disturbing to see. Um, so many tubes, so much happening to his body, and we were never able to wake him up to ask what he wanted. And so we had to make the decision a day later to, to turn off those machines. Um, and, and there was a piece of me that was, I knew it was the right thing, but it also felt so wrong. But I wanted to bring this up real fast. Babe, can you help me? Uh, okay, I have to turn that. Okay, so just hold it. Just like my showcase showdown. There you go. So this, this is a book that um, I read years ago. It's a massive text. It's more like a reference guide um, by Randy Alcorn. It's just called Heaven. And it's all these different references from the Bible about heaven and kind of fleshed out a little bit. And what I love about this book so much is that it helps me to remember that holding on to the things of this world, it, it, it doesn't make sense. This, is, this world is not what we live for. We live here to glorify God. We live here to show others 
what is to come and what they have in front of them and available to them. Um, and the more we know about heaven, the more excited we can get about it. And so I, um, I love this book. And so as I was laying there, we're looking at my brother's broken body. We weren't able to say goodbye in a way that, you know, we could communicate with him. But I knew that this isn't the end. There's so much more ahead. And, and it made me feel so, so, so thankful, Lord, that you have given us this hope and this place and, and to know that this is where we are all headed. Um, so, so this, just if you want to know more about this book or look it up on Amazon, it's awesome. Um, but I wanted to finish real fast with another real quick story because we are going over time. Um, the day that we were going to pull the plug on my brother, um, I was driving to Missouri Baptist, and Eric calls me, and his sister called you and said, hey, don't tell Wendy, but I'm in labor. Tell her not to worry. And the reason why she was calling me is because I was her labor coach. And so it was like, okay. So, of course, he called me. I mean, you know, tell him, don't call. If you tell Eric, oh, yeah, we're going to tell each other. And, and he was like, don't worry. She doesn't need you there. She'll figure it out. And I'm like, you know what? No, this is this is like a God thing. It's kind of like this, this very cool thing because I know that very soon I'm going to see my brother take his last breath. And then very soon I'll see my nephew take his first. And so, and that's exactly what happened, is exactly what happened. We, um, my brother died at Missouri Baptist at 2 p.m.-ish, and my uh, nephew Peter was born at St. John's Mercy at 1.18 a.m., so less than 12 hours apart. And and uh, God gave me the strength to get through both things. And, um, and one thing that's very cool, Eric mentioned, that's him today. Um, uh, Eric mentioned that it's kind of like this lonely place of like, he's the um, kind of patriarch of his family now. And I am an only child now. I've never been an only child before, but it's just me and my mom and dad. Um, but, but also the very cool um, responsibility and the honor of being able to share the stories of these men to Peter and to Justin's kids and to our kids and to the next generation. And all of it glorifies God. Every story, whether it's a drug overdose or a heart failure or CTE or anything, there's, there's always something in it that glorifies God. There's always a lesson. There's always something to be thankful for. Um, one of my favorite verses is Revelation 21.4. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, nor mourning, nor crying, nor pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Amen.